This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, just like Leicester City this season. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. And now for something completely different. Watch us on YouTube. Listen on your favourite podcast platform. Or ask your smart speaker to play the podcast Lester Till I Die. Subscribe, like, follow and join in now. Strap yourself in. Because we're set up, switched on and ready to go. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans. Right, Chris. All right. How the devil are we? Um, well, I hope. Did you get to bed last night? Uh, I think it was about uh, gone midnight when uh, I'd finished doing the transfer window, but for once it was a brilliant window. Um, th- well, four players in technically, one straight out to uh, to a sister club, uh, Laven. But do you know what? It's the future. 
And that's not garlic bread. No, I mean, you, we've got to get these players in. A lot of people were saying, like, why buy somebody only to throw them out? Well, you've got to think of the future. And he looks a really, really hot prospect. As indeed did our guest tonight. See what I did there? What a link. Um, <laughs> it actually, he was born the year I left school. So I actually feel like really, really old now. And I know what you're going to say. You are old, Chris. Cheers, guys. But... Um, they, and he, he may well, I may well have his signature on a, on a shirt somewhere, uh, if I'm wrong, because um, I think he may well have been in the team when one of well, my eldest son was mascot. We will find out. It's a pleasure to have him, and I always do appreciate it when uh, ex-players come on and have a chat with us. Hope you do, guys, as well. Get some questions in, um, and we will ask them. Uh, if we've got time towards the end, uh, Andrew says, "Any nice to support a club that's debt free?" <laughs> Certainly is. Uh, and Nate is in as well. Good evening, Nate. How are you? Do smash the likes if you are in the chat. It will be much appreciated. Look, he's waited long enough. Let's get him in. I can remember him playing uh, playing for Leicester City. Oh, I think it was then the Walker Stadium. Let's bring him in and say a very good evening to David Connolly. Good evening, David. Good evening, everyone. How are you, Chris? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Was was it the Walkers when you were there? I think it was. Yeah, it? I think so. It, it definitely wasn't the King Power, you know. The, <laughs> we, um, yeah, the, the um, and the training ground, you know, it's, uh, yeah, the club has come a long way, obviously, since I was there. So, um, oh. uh, obviously, in, you know, it's uh, exponentially just grown. It's been uh, quite incredible. So, I think, as you saw with Harry Suter saying, you know, facilities world class, and and you know, um, hmm. uh, obviously new training ground. So yeah, it's it's like a different club, really. I guess. I, I was talking. I you may well remember Rob Tanner, uh, the Leicester correspondent for the Athletic, and he was saying that at the new training ground, they actually have soft pitches for certain players, like Johnny Evans, who likes to train on a soft pitch, and hard pitches for. Yeah, like Jamie Vardy, like oh, I mean, you never have had that in your, and I'm not going to say that you're old, but that was never well, the case back then, was it? No, I t I t something interesting because um, I was at Stamford Bridge for the Chelsea game. Oh, and, yeah. um, I mean, a lot of the there's still a lot of people at the club that were there when I was there. I mean, mm. I said the club, the club has you know grown, but what's good about the club is you know John Radkin still there. You know, um, yeah. Andrew Neville still there, and obviously Kitman Macca is still there. So yeah. I, I, I was talking to Macca, and, and he was just talking about the training ground, and 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 this is you, you know you do get this with new buildings, they become so big. He was like, it's great, it's so big. He says I barely see anyone because, you know, in the old training ground at Belvoir, like it's right in the middle. Everyone walks past his room. You know, you have a lot of interaction. Yeah. You know, and sometimes when clubs get big, and I've been at clubs and got promoted, and and those clubs suddenly grow, the staff grow. Before you mm. know it, there's people around the place you don't even know their name. You know, um, yeah. So it's quite interesting for Mac hearing that. You know, his training ground is his kit room is at one end, and he barely sees anyone because it's so big and so vast. But <laughs> that's um, that's the Does kind he of have a map day, so he doesn't you know? get lost. Though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, and and I was I remember with you now I was thinking this, but Andrew I knew you would come out and say this. Uh, basically, he doesn't look any older. <laughs> he doesn't. I mean, you know, you tell me right if you can tell the then and now that was the then, 
<laughs> this is the now. Well, I feel it. Let me tell you, I feel it. I mean, one thing, <laughs> I, I, I don't do any exercise. It's terrible. I used to be, I used to be absolutely obsessed. I didn't even, it's funny now, I, I wake up so early for coffee, but I didn't drink mm. coffee, right, till I was 35 because I thought coffee was, was bad for you. And, yeah. and I was 35 when I had my first taste, taste of coffee. So, uh, but these days now, I'm, um, yeah, I don't, uh, I, 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 yeah, don't do it. Don't do any exercise. Don't do any gym. I walk the dogs and that's about it. So, um, anyway. I've got to ask this because I, I always mean to ask this and I always forget. And we'll, we'll, we'll obviously in a second, we'll sort of start back at your career. But Christmas Day, I mean, because obviously you've got games on Boxing Day and you're talking about keeping fit. I mean, is Christmas Day miserable for a professional football? No, no. In fact, it's the complete opposite because I think sometimes I think there's nothing worse than being stuck in the house um, all day. I think when you when you play football and you go in, you go mm. in for an hour, you'd be in for an hour, two yeah. hours. I mean, come on, it's to go and play football every you know every day of your life. I don't think it's that big a sacrifice to be honest. And I think no. a lot of lads quite liked it because they got away from you know sort of um, <laughs> the mother Oh yeah, exactly. Um, you know, kids present. You know, but they come back, have um, you know, have sort of have dinner and and then done. You know, uh, so yes. yeah. Are you allowed to have a, 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 a I'm going to say a full English, but a full Christmas meal, or are you? Sort yeah, of... yeah. I mean, in fact, after I left uh, Leicester, I went to Wigan. I remember actually because there was a few lads that were on their own, and one of them was Pascal Chimbomba. You probably remember Pascal. Mm. But... Um, he had nowhere to go, so Jason Roberts, being a great lad, invited him to his house for Christmas dinner, you know, for like come yeah. around Christmas Day, really nice. But he said basically Pascal just had a standard Christmas, turned up, ate, fell asleep in the chair, and went home. He was like, you know, he didn't offer anything. <laughs> so I think, um, I think for, for football players, obviously, you'd still have your Christmas meal but yeah you, you, oh, you, right. yeah, you just you just oh, there I was. all these years i've been feeling sorry for you all <laughs> no no you definitely know. don't no, no 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 andrew says here believe it or not chris doesn't exercise either you know me too well andrew i i actually have a walking machine that i bought during covid and i must admit it is now the most expensive clothes hanger oh, it's like one of those bicycles yeah like one of those bicycles it's just yeah, yeah, gathering yes. dust. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's right next to my bed. All I'm going to do is climb out of bed. But I just, well, it, it looks good if anybody comes round. Yeah. Uh, LCFC kid, good evening. He says my first game, four-two win against Stoke at home. Uh, David Connolly hat trick. Uh, wanted um, the, to have his name on the back of the shirt, but Dad knew he was on his way out. Oh, that sounds uh, <laughs> like he's a hitman or something, well, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean uh, that, that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'd scored in the first game and then got against Sheffield United and then got a hat, that hat trick against Stoke and then um, you know the bid came in from from Wigan. So mm. I think at, at the time I was I don't know top scorer in the championship, but we'd only there'd only been a couple of games, obviously, you know. Yeah. So, um, but um, yeah, it was a completely different time at, at the club, the, you know, than it was obviously at the minute. Well, yeah, I mean. Like I say, you were born in '77, which was the year I uh, I left school. Of course, the good thing with that is you uh, missed all the joy of um, glam rock, which I lived through. Um, how how did you get into football? Um, I, I don't just like everyone else. I mean, uh, just playing it with you know with your mates. Although yeah. probably my uh, childhood was 
heavily influenced by my parents because my dad was um, uh, a, you know deep into Gaelic games, so hurling right. and Gaelic uh, Gaelic football. And basically, I didn't go to watch football. I went to watch um, Irish sport. So I'd be at hurling or or, or Gaelic grounds every every Sunday without fail. Um, mm. But at those at those um, grounds, I wouldn't play hurling or, or Gaelic football. I'd be playing uh, soccer, football, with yeah. a lot of the, you know, sort of kids that were now born in England from Irish parents. So we'd all be playing football going, what are those idiots doing, whacking each other in the face with those hurling sticks, um, going to hospital? You know, we'll just stick playing football. So, yeah, that was that was me. Yeah. And um, you obviously ended up, uh, first club was Watford. Uh, again, a different uh, kettle of fish now, Watford. Um, 20, 26 appearances there, 10 goals, that's nearly one in two. You, you mean you started off pretty much as you carried on for the well, rest of your career? I was I was really lucky because they had, um, it's a very, uh, it was a, a different time in those days because, you know, now you've got the academy system, which is great. Um you know, but it was a very small uh, setup at Watford. So, you know, there was one coach for each team. You knew everyone. Um, Kenny Jacket was one of them who ended up being a terrific uh, football league manager. Uh, there was Stuart Murdoch, who, who ended up being a football league manager. John McDermott, who's now at the FA. I mean, there was a lot of really good people there who were just starting out. Um, and I was really lucky because everything was so simple. I mean, Played for your local team, you know, got spotted, ended up in their sort of youth system, um, played through the youth teams, done well. And unlike probably nowadays, there was an injury in the first team. And as a whatever, 17-year-old, I forget how, you know, you yeah. get the chance. You get the chance. It's so simple. Whereas probably nowadays, I think, wow, these kids have probably got to go through under-21 football and, yeah. and, and have numerous sort of loans and... Yes, yeah. it just seemed a lot easier then to get your chance. So I, I got my chance, and I, I think I scored a hat trick on my debut. And um, you know, didn't you know? And that was it, really. So um, I kind of stayed in the team. Um, mm. But it was—it just seemed a lot easier in those days, you know, to, to sort yeah. of to get your chance. But it was a great—I loved it because it was so. You know, look, we, we worked. We were up and down terraces. We were a bit old school, you know, cleaning the stadium. You know having yeah. a sandwich, having a little roll for lunch. You know, uh, sort of, um, it was, it was uh, I look back on it very fondly. Yeah. Oh, yes. There are different times, though, like you say. Yeah. Um, and, of course, your exploits at um, Watford got you a, a move to Feyenoord. Yeah, although I don't know if it was necessarily, it was more that we, for, I'd played for Ireland. I remember David for Ireland that summer. Yeah. And, um we had played um, Portugal and Holland prior to Euro '96, and um, Holland. It was it was that you know amazing team, um, yeah, um, full of sort of superstars, and we played them in final stadium, and I played well against them, really well. Um, and then I scored for Ireland. I think the next game we played Mexico or America, USA, and. You know, I was scoring goals as a, I don't know, 18, 19 year old, or I forget, 19, 20, whatever it was. Yeah. And they they needed a, they need, they were looking for a striker. And, and it, it just sort of uh, might, it might have been a bit of luck or a bit of coincidence, you know. Um, 
And when a club like that comes calling, for those that don't know about about um, a club like Fire Lord, uh, I mean, it is it is like an incredible football club. Um, yeah, it really is. So huge fan base in the Champions League, a massive. Uh, I mean, I thought, well, I'm never going to get this chance again, and and I didn't to play in the Champions League. Um, and and it was just yeah, an amazing place, you know. Uh, I, I can't. It's difficult to describe. I mean, they would have like stands made up for pre-season training. There'd be four or five thousand people that had watched the first day. I mean, and you'd never seen anything like it. I had no idea what I was getting into, and um, the level was very, really high at the time. You know, really, really high, and and technically above the level that I was at. But I was going to give it a damn good try to try and get to that level um but it was a good experience really good experience you know living abroad on your own as a kid you yeah. know um so it was good i mean you you, you mentioned something there which i must admit I, I i totally understand which is sometimes you can't say no when these offers come along and you know you look at uh you know, some play like like even managers now. You know, everybody says, "Well, you know, why did Harry Potter go to Chelsea?" But these offers don't always come round, and they're not going to come round if you wait five or six years and you're having a bad season or or, or whatever. You you have to grab it at the time, and it must, like you said, it must have been an amazing, you know, thing to think. Well, I'm I'm at, I'm at Feyenoord here. Yeah, I mean, at that time they had, um, you know, I think well, Ronald Koeman was. I turn up training and I'm jogging around with Ronald Koeman. I mean, that's someone I watched yeah, on TV. Well, um, yeah. Henrik Larsson was there, but they didn't want him. So he was he was training with us, but he, you know, he, he was basically in the reserves until um, he went to Celtic. I mean, it was a roll call of of top names. Um, and, and the season I left, they won the UEFA Cup. So it was a it was a really good um it was a really good. It was a really good team, and also I learned a lot about professionalism. You know, they were so professional over there. Um, I mean, you know, I was used to kind of your lovable rogues that you might get at, at, at you know at Watford, and mm. you know, this was these players who were sort of in the gym for two hours before training even started, and you're like, oh wow, you know, these are this is how it is at this level, yeah. you know. So it was. Um, it was a complete eye opener, but uh, it was it was brilliant. And look, the, look, the, the, they you know they these opportunities these days. I mean, and then the money was obviously you're going to be offered a contract and you're going to be offered money, and that's one thing. But to the other thing is the actual: are you going to get a chance to play for a club like this again? Because yeah. you might not. You might not play in the Champions League, and I didn't. You know, you might not uh, play a, a club fifty thousand every every week you know yeah. so yeah well at home anyway so it was it was yeah it was uh something you couldn't really turn down yeah i've got to say now i'm looking at this because while you're at Feyenoord you went on loan to a club excelsior yeah now, so we we had a we, we played it like in the champions league the manager got sacked ari Hahn, who i'm sure you would know of ari Hahn, who's pretty famous um he got he got sacked and i scored on my debut and actually i was doing pretty well and then new manager came in I could tell he didn't like me and right. we had a disagreement and and basically he wouldn't play me and um you know so what 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 the, could I do so I could either hang on there try and go on loan get some goals I'm going to play and that's exactly what I did and 
I went on loan, I played, I scored, I, I got recalled back to the club when he left and um, in the end got offered a new contract at the club. So mm. I was pretty pleased about how it turned around, but I felt that the manager at the time, Leo Bainak, he I didn't like what he'd done to me. It was pretty unfair, but it, he was, he just, I think he just want, he just didn't rate me. So uh, I can understand it, but I didn't like it. No, no, understandable. I've got a, I've got a check because obviously with, with Wikipedia, you're never hundred percent sure how true the facts are when you read them, but at Excelsior, you played, it says here 48 games and you scored 42 goals. Yeah, I mean, um, Mick McCarthy came over to watch, and actually, it was quite funny, really, because Mick um, was was Ireland manager at the time, and and he said he was going to, you know, come over and and he was because obviously you don't know what the levels like, but I, I I knew how what the level was in comparison to obviously playing in England, the Championship, and everything. And I was like, I'm pretty sure this is not too far off that sort of level. You know, yeah. I don't know where exactly. But, you know, like a one in two, if you play, you know, 30 games, 15 goals or 40 games, 20 games, around, I, I put it around about that sort. And then when I came back to England, my goals at Wimbledon were pretty similar. So to me, I equated them that they weren't that dissimilar. If you get what I mean? Probably yeah. a bit lower. But, you know, if you're trying to pitch it. But Mick came over anyway to watch once. And um, he was pretty impressed with level. He was like, oh, right, this, you know, this is... You know, so he, he, I was in the Ireland squads. It wasn't, he, he, he was pretty, you know, he was like, no, this is a good, but anyway, he, he was actually staying in a hotel, but he didn't, he didn't want to stay in a hotel. And he was like, well, Dave, can I stay at yours? And I was like, at my house. And he was like, well, is that all right? And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> so like, having the boss round, isn't it? And he was still sleeping over. Well, I had my, my national manager like sleeping upstairs. <laughs> and I remember at the time we, um, yeah, we sort of had, there was a uh, sort of a wasp nest at the top and that was the spare room. And I remember going in there, hoovering it up, thinking, oh my God, if, if he gets stung yeah. in the middle of the night, I am dead meat, you know. So, uh, but it was quite funny, your, your national team manager sort of, and, and it was a night game. He stayed after a night game as well. And oh. um, he came, he, so he put the telly on, you know, and he's flicking through the telly and after mm -hmm. 11 o'clock, you know that it was Canal Plus, and he, he landed on Canal Plus, which is like the, the sky at the time. Mm. And it was a bit racy, and it was like, Bloody hell, Dave, what's this? And I was like, Oh, quick, turn it over, turn it over, you know. So it was quite funny. Uh, <laughs> so I would say, You had your national manager sleeping over in a room that had a wasp nest and watching porn. That's basically you say, isn't it? That is, that, that is exactly what happened. Yeah, yeah. He loved it. He, uh, he, he woke up in the morning, had a great night's sleep. He, um, he couldn't wait to come back. Yeah. I bet he couldn't. <laughs> Things you couldn't do at home, <laughs> yeah. but uh, but you came back to England and um, Wimbledon was your next club. Was that um, crazy gang time? Yeah, I mean, so Wimbledon had just sold um, Jason Yule to um, Charlton for whatever a lot of money, mm. and they needed a striker. But I'd already agreed to stay in Holland, and I'd verbally agreed it, and I was driving to the act to actually sign it. I was about two hours away from from mm. signing the contract and then a friend of mine who I played with for Ireland Kenny Cunningham who um, you know brilliant defender um, 
he 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 happened to call me just by chance and just said, "Look, we've sold Jason Yule. You know, would you come here?" And I said, "Well, I'm to be honest, I'm signing over here again." And he was like, "Well, no, no, don't, don't. Um, you know, I'll get the manager Terry Burton to call you." So Terry called me, and and I, I, it was a chance to come back to 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 sort of um, London way, and so um, I sort of changed my mind and 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 came back. Um, and uh and signed for Wimbledon and you know I had two really good seasons there very happy seasons there you were 42 goals again in two seasons you know it, uh, a good scoring rate wasn't it but was that like was that post crazy gang or were you there during the um, you know they just got relegated so no it, it was you had a lot of you had some of the remnants of of you know the the crazy gang but probably with relegation a few left you know so it yeah. was it was around that time but it, it wasn't quite the you know Vinnie Jones wasn't there and you know things like that but um very happy club like you know really enjoyed it very simple reminded me you know like my time at Watford um and you know settled down pretty well formed a good relationship with um, Neil Shipley up top me and him yeah and um you know, it was, I was playing in a four-four-two in Holland. I was like an, a, a lone striker. Um, I had to get more involved in the play, all that sort of stuff. So it was a different way of playing, and um, and and there was a World Cup coming up for Ireland. You know, you're a bit closer. You're, you know, you're you're around. Um, so yeah, and it worked out quite well. Did Mick McCarthy not ring up and say, "What the bloody hell are you doing? I can't come and yeah. see you." No. Well, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I still talk to Mick now, which is a testament to what a you know, great mm. man he is. But um, no, so yeah, he's... Uh, um, look, that year, the final won the UEFA Cup. So, you know, you think, ah, yeah, yeah. They, 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 they probably wouldn't have won it if I was there, but you were part, you, you might have been part of something... Um, yeah. Special, but yeah, that's the way it goes. You, you know, that's it. Um, yeah, that's the thing. You make your decisions, and we were talking before, weren't we? You know, football it can you know build you up one week and kick you down the next. You know, yeah. but uh, you see, at Wimbledon, and then uh, West Ham United um, came in for you. Glenn Roder there, the captain, um, and scored on your debut again. Yeah, I mean, I've just done a. I just did a podcast with uh, for West Ham. Ironically, it just seems to all come at once. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I knew Glenn from my time at Watford because I was coming through the youth team, and and I and, and Glenn was the first team manager. So um, again, another club, a bit like Leicester. You know, West Ham yeah. relegated from the Premier League. You know, and it seemed like I might be the man to score goals at, at uh, in the Championship to get them back up. So. Um, Look, they had a great, like, terrific squad, and that that and the club appealed to me because I thought, well, you know, I want to play with um, Jermaine Defoe. I want to play with Michael Carrick. You know, these are the Joe Cole who was there, although he then left um, uh, before the start of the season. You know, you, I want to play with these players because, you know, these are top players, and if I do, I'll score goals. We'll do well. Um, um, but it was it was a difficult. It was a bit like in Holland where you sign for manager, he's under pressure, they got relegated, you know, mm. he gets sacked. And, and there's another manager that um, that comes in, although I knew him, um, Alan Pardew. Um, but 
I just I just found that I got off to a great start and I was really happy doing well um, with Glenn and then Trevor Brookin and then Alan Pardew came in and it sort of I don't know it just yeah the, the goals sort of didn't flow as much I don't know why something just wasn't I don't know why I can't put my finger on it um, it might be a bit like my my first sort of six months at Leicester where I didn't you know, hit the back of the net regularly. So I look at my last six months at Leicester and I got like one in two, like mm. 10, in, 10 in 20 games. But that initial finding my feet within, you know, a, a new team, a new system, I didn't, I don't know, I don't know what went wrong, but it didn't flow as freely um, when Alan took over. No. And then Mickey Adams came in for you, uh, recently relegated Leicester City. Um, did it take you long to decide to come? Or, I mean, at, the, well, at that time, like I say, we, we had just got relegated. Yeah, I mean, uh, we lost in the playoff final, a really bad game to Palace at West Ham with a you know, scruffy goal. And I think, you know, the, like, he took off the front three. Uh, we all came off the front three for West Ham. So I think someone had to go. There was just too many who, you know, he felt yeah. weren't delivering. So someone had to go. And then Leicester came in. And and I, there might have been whoever, someone else, but I spoke to Mickey and he was like, look, you know, um, we've got a good side. We've just been relegated. You know, we'll have a chance of going back up. And 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 I thought, well, yeah, why? you know, you look at the team again, strong side, you know, why not? Uh, you know, give it a good go. So, um, yeah, so I, signed for, so I signed for Leicester and... Um, you know, ironically, then the first game of the season, the next, that season was against West Ham. Would you believe it? I mean, it, you, yeah. just, you just can't write it. And it, it, I remember it because I said it today on this West Ham podcast. But the, the Leicester fans are singing, you know, to the West Ham fans, you know, we've got Dave Connolly and all that. Yeah. And then I, I missed a chance, and the West Ham fans saying, you know, you've got Dave Connolly. So. <laughs> that was, that was yeah, you gotta you gotta love the band too, haven't you? Sometimes, yeah. You know? yeah. But you, you joined. It was interesting because it, it was a difficult time for. It was, yeah. Um, mm. We, I remember, um, my my it, it, my son. It, it actually wasn't sort of when um, uh, you 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 were you were playing when he was mascot, but he came in. And I was. I was at home watching the telly and I had Sky on and it was obviously the Leicester La Manga affair with the uh, with the false accusations uh, by certain ladies over there. And he walked in while it was on and he was saying, well, what's going on, Dad? And I'm like, I wasn't expecting to have this conversation with you when he was only sort of, you know, 10 or 11 yeah. or something. But um, yeah. what was the atmosphere like? Cause, I mean, that had obviously was not, Obviously, it wasn't planned, but I mean, it was quite. It was in the news. It was quite. It was a huge story at the time. Um, we yeah. got relegated. It had all gone wrong. It was. It was difficult because I mean, I was coming in after that, but hmm. you know, there was there was that lingering. Um, you know, it was lingering in the background, I guess, but also the fact that it was a um, a team that you know, once I got there, there's a lot of players to integrate. There was a lot of new players to integrate, and also probably quite a few aging players. Yeah, um, and it was transient by by Leicester's ge geographical location. I worked out that not many players lived in Leicester. 
<laughs> after a while. Because we had players from the north, you know, and, and um, Jason Wilcox or Danny Tiato mm. or whoever, you know, and 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 then we we had sort of more from, from from up north. Then we had some from down south, me or Ian Walker or Martin Keown or whatever. And and it just seemed like, yeah, you know, it, it just needed someone to grab it and go. You know, you sign for Leicester, you live in Leicester because it was too easy to leave training and everyone shoot off, dart dart off back. Um, you know, and, and spend like hours in the car. So. It, it was it was it was a hard one to get going because I think that the players were really good, like the the the, the squad, the players that we had there were good. But I mean, we just started so badly, um, and it was difficult. It was difficult to to recover after the bad starts. So I think we had a few defeats: Millwall, Watford, QPR. Obviously, I scored, but you know, got sent off, and it just seemed like it just seemed so hard to get going. I mean, I'm just looking at that time, and um, Russ, good evening, Russ. He says, I love listening to David on TalkSport. He's a great co-commentator. Oh, Very nice of you to say, Russ. Um, I mean, yeah, just looking then at that season, there were 17 players that came in, mm. 22 players that went out. It must have been like a revolving door on the training ground. Like, well, who, you know, yeah. who are you? <laughs> yeah, and to be honest... I probably you probably don't pay that much attention to that when really you should mm. as a player because it was I just found it so and I, I never laid a blame at if I if I'm not doing well I go and work harder. I don't look yeah. at anyone else. But it was just so difficult to to settle. I don't know why. I just couldn't get and it was I was being played. Uh, mm. but I don't I, it's difficult to put your finger on why I wasn't finding the back of the net. And as I said, the last six months, when I did and I was settled and I was playing well, it, I think I got like 10 in the last 20 games. And then mm. I started the next season with four. So you put those together and you go, well, you're in a rich vein of form now for like a period of time, but you just started so slowly. I don't, uh, it's difficult to put my finger on it. And, um, Shame for Mickey, but it's shame. shame. You were top scorer, sorry. You were top scorer, I think, that season, weren't you? Yeah, but it probably wasn't enough because it, it was really only the last six months, I think, that I, I found my feet and then started banging banging them in regularly. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, and, and you know, the, the one time when I do break my duck, I think it was against QPR, it was a really harsh sending off, really mm -hmm. harsh. And I think Mickey Adams went bananas at me but I think it was you would Mark. say that of course wouldn't you <laughs> well it was it was the second yellow and I remember it was Mark Bircham and I think Mark made a living of getting players sent off um, yeah. you know and I, I don't I jumped for a ball and I not intentional and he went down like I'd, I'd, I'd deliberately elbowed him or something which I didn't but anyway it just yeah. seemed to be that everything it, it, it just when you break your duck you're winning 2-0 get flipping sent off and then we lose the game. And, um, you know, that was how, how it went at that time. If only we'd got something that could uh, have reviewed that, something like VAR. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, let's not yeah. get started on that. But uh, Mickey Adams, um, as it was the manager that brought you in, he had offered his resignation after the um, Lamanga affair. And it was a difficult time, I think, all around the club. Um, 
but they didn't accept his resignation. But he did actually then obviously leave. Um, was it October that season? Yeah, yeah, and you know, obviously, then you know, we had the up, you know, the, the up people. We had, I think, had Wilkinson, and we mm. had um, in my time there. You know, we had Bob Kelly in charge, uh, Craig Levine. You know, so it went through the the. Obviously, Mickey had been a huge, a hugely important manager for Leicester City, right? I mean, yeah. it had a, left a, a big impact on the football club. So it was, yeah, I felt, you know, you feel responsible when you, you know, a lot of, lot of squad surgery, a lot of players out, a lot of players in, you don't gel quickly. And, um, and, and obviously then uh, the manager goes, yeah. Yeah, just uh, some good news for, for the rest of fans. Uh, Man United have just gone 2-0 up against Nottingham Forest, so 5-0 on aggregate. I'd like to pass my condolences on to any Nottingham Forest fans that are watching. <laughs> I don't think there'll be many. Um, did I sound like uh, rather happy about that then? Yeah, well, I don't think it's any real surprise. It should be a good final, though. It should be confined. Yes, it yeah. should be. Yeah, I think it should. And and I've got to be honest with you. Um, I think oh, good. Just sidetracking for a minute. Good luck to Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. You know, they deserve something. I think after all these years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, as a fan, and I think a lot of fans. And I'm thanks for your question, Nate. And we'll ask that a bit later on. But as a fan, I think a lot of us Leicester fans look at the Craig Levine time. Not necessarily with the uh, nicest of memories. Um, he, he did bring a lot of, like, like you say, guys from north of the border down, didn't he? And I mean, you 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 left at the end of the season. I'm thinking, like, well, you were let go, but then we he kept. We had players like Elvis Hammond and Mark DeVries, who, God bless them, they weren't the uh, the best strikers we'd ever had at the club. Yeah, and and I think. Well, it was the start of the next season I left, but I think then, the, you know, things went really bad. Not, not, you know, just coincidentally, they they obviously went downhill. Um, I think it was difficult for for Craig coming over, um, you know, to England to a club that was, I think, a difficult one to to get right with the squad that was there, getting performances out of those players. Um, a really a difficult job, big job, um, and you know, away days are great, but when you can't play away, there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Muck Delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, eighteen plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Did it affect the team then? Because obviously Mickey Adams, he'd gone through a lot with the club. 
Um, and like you say, you don't wish any manager having to sort of go through non-footballing problems. But he was he was liked, um, and and you know he, he well he'd taken us back up. Let's be honest with you, uh, um, and all the troubles. But did it did it sort of how does it affect a player when a because that's the guy that's brought you in, yeah. and therefore you know has faith in you, and yet he leaves. Yeah, because obviously they're more likely to play you because they signed you and, you know, yeah. showed out for you. So, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I was one of those players that I did realise that and appreciate I worked uh, – it wasn't through lack of trying that it, it didn't quite work out. Um, and I, I wasn't one of those players who, you know, would be bitching about a manager behind his back or whatever. Um, if, I, if I wasn't delivering and scoring and playing well, it, it hurt me, you know. Mm. Um, so I didn't really do anything else. I didn't have a hobby. I didn't play golf. I didn't do, you know, I, I, I just focused on my football, to be honest. Um, that was me. So, um, yeah, it hurt. And when things weren't going right, it, it's, it, you know, it's not like, uh, um, you go home and forget about it. So I think for Leicester, it was, is a big, it was a big club with a big squad and big, some big personalities in there, but I don't know whether it was unbalanced old, lacking pace, you know, th there's a few things you could say that it didn't have that mm. maybe contributed to it. Um, maybe both ends of the pitch didn't have enough pace. Um, vastly experienced and, and terrific players, but maybe didn't quite have all the ingredients, you know, for a balanced squad, maybe. Yeah, I mean, we finished 15th at the end of that season. Um, we'd won 12, we'd lost 13. Um, what what was the um what led up to you leaving um well one i think leicester needed the money right um, <laughs> always did at that day, yeah, day. Yeah, yeah which is and probably surprising but they've just written off however much 100 whatever million yeah. today and, <laughs> in, in those days i remember you know when when i was leaving talking to andrew neville and i might have been owed whatever and um you know, they'd made a good profit on me, um, and all yeah. things considered, you know, but but they they did have a need for the money, you know, mm. they did. So, um, and it was they had to balance the books, and and um, once the offer come came in, then I, uh, you know, I wanted to go and play in the Premier League, and I did, and I scored on my debut for Wigan, and you know, um, I, I'm, I, you know, Leicester could have dug the hills in and and asked for too much money and then priced me out of a move. But in mm. the end, they, they, you know, they didn't. And um, so I was grateful for that. We, and did, we did make quite a bit on you. I think we bought you was it for half a million, sold you for two with a possibly going up to three if, if, if Wigan stayed or which they did. So we didn't do so bad out of you. Yeah. Even back then we were buying players and making profits on them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, although, you know, to be honest, the club are battling to keep every penny, even they might have owed me a bit, but... Um, mm. In the end, uh, uh, we reached an agreement on it because I think they were getting, you know, well paid, and I was at whatever I was owed. I, was, I should have had it, and I got it mm. in the end. Um, but um, yeah, completely different times, I guess, to uh, to where we are now. Yeah, um, you were again. You, you were at Wigan, I think, for the one season, was it? Yeah. So yeah, uh, so I was at, I was at Wigan, and then um, Roy Keane took over at Sunderland, and. Um, yeah, it's difficult to turn down going to play for Roy. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I you know, I played with Roy. He was teammate. Um, and, um, you know, well, the sort of man you say no to, is he? Well, um, yeah, I mean, exactly. Uh, <laughs> you knew that, that this might be the start of something. And, and it was, it was a, an, an incredible season. Um, um, something that, you know, I don't know, it'd be hard to replicate it, it, mm -hmm. uh, any, any, anywhere else. The impact, I think, when when Roy came to the club and then I joined, other players joined, I think we were third bottom or second bottom, something like, I can't remember, fourth from bottom, maybe, in the in the championship. So, um, you know, and, and Wigan went well. Ironically, we just had the, the Carabao Cup, but at Wigan, I played in every round, you know, scored the winner against Newcastle in either the quarters or the round before, played against Arsenal in the semis and then pulled my hamstring and didn't play in the, the what was then the League Cup final. Mm. So, you know, Wigan had a great season, but Paul Jewell wanted um, Henri Kamara up top, who's, uh, he was, you know, a really good striker with Jason. And so I was like the backup. And so that's how it came to, to go to Sunderland. And, well, you know, I enjoyed, enjoyed my time at Wigan. Like I say, top 10 finish and... Um, Carabao Cup, uh, reaching the Carabao Cup, Carling Cup, that was that was good success for for Wigan then. Really, really good and great, to, you know, great lads. Yeah. But I think you don't turn down uh, when Roy takes over at Sunderland. No, 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 no. Uh, or the, during this time, of course, you were also playing for the I say Republic of Ireland. We touched on it before. Uh, Forty-one caps. Um, I, if my memory serves me right, you, they didn't make it into the um, Euro '96, did they? No, we didn't make it Euro, and and that was when I, I got my first cap. Um, but we missed, you know, we missed out on two tournaments, you know, in terrible circumstances going into playoffs, um, you know, and I played in all those games, and uh, you know, I think that that squad should have played in three major tournaments. Um, you know, we were, I think, five seconds away from playing at Euro 2000 and we conceded from a corner, um, put us in the playoffs and then we lost in the playoffs on away goals. So, um, yeah, that was a, a really um, good period playing for that, playing for Ireland because we had you, a great you weren't, you weren't, I wasn't during the time when Thierry Henry accidentally yeah. handled the ball, was it? No, no, no. no. So I think... Um, uh, whenever my last cap um, was, but I didn't, I didn't play, uh, I didn't play in that game though. Which, yes, mm, terrible Thierry. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, is, is, I'm sure it was the other hand of God that uh, Maradona didn't use. Yeah, uh, I mean, again, must have been very proud being called up for you, uh, your home nation. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, something that you. Um, you know, as I said, we'd, we'd mostly playing uh, Gaelic Gaelic games when I was a kid, but um, mm -hmm. I would be in Ireland every holiday, and you know, um, I, I you know, I, I'd be wearing Irish kits or you know Liverpool kits around because of all the Irish players, and mm -hmm. and you never think you're going to play for um, for Ireland, but yeah, really, it was um, wonderful when it happened. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. Um, I mean, you've had an amazing career. 460 appearances league-wise, 41 national, 178 goals. What memories do you take 
what are your favourite memories? Mm. Um, well, I, I, I think I think there's 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 um, you know it's not easy to be a player, you know, mm. um, and and to have a career. To be honest, it's it, it's, it's quite hard work to to make it as a as a pro. So I guess when I was growing up, we didn't dream about you dreamed about being a, a footballer, not for the money, just because in those days no one really talked about the money. Whereas mm. nowadays you can't get away from the money. But in, in, when you're a kid and when I was young, you just wanted to play football. And if you could be a football player, I'd be like, wow, brilliant. So I think to, yeah. to actually become one was, was something that I didn't think would happen. But I, I, yeah, it just seemed to happen quite naturally without, you know. Um, and then, you know, I guess playing for the clubs I played for, playing for my country, you know, playing in Europe, maybe playing internationally, World Cup, you know. Um, you know, I think I scored in every division, you know, League Two, League One, Championship, Premier League, played, scored internationally. Would I have liked maybe a be even better career? Yeah, probably would if I could do things a bit differently, a bit better. But I think um, by and large, um, you know, pretty pleased. And, and I could have easily, to be honest, probably retired about five years earlier than I did. And in some ways... I think it's um, it's like a battle you have with yourself as a player because you know I I didn't want to um, just give up. So I had so many operations, I had so many injuries, but I just had a sort of personal like pride to want to get fit and keep and keep playing. I don't know why, just just to play. Um, and I think I played till I was thirty eight, and I think. You know, even if I dropped down, I didn't have an ego to go, I'm not going to play there, I'm not going to play there. Mm. I kind of, um, I, you know, I wanted to play with people that I knew or a manager who was in charge. And, you know, uh, yeah. so that's a 20-year career is, is, you know, it's not, it's not easy to play for 20 years. You no, know? Um, and along that way, a few highs, obviously a lot of lows. And um, you know, got to play with some great, some great players, you know, and good experiences. Yeah. yeah. Nate, I mean, following on from that, Nate actually asked here: uh, Were there any teams, regardless of who played there, that you always worked your hardest to score against? Um, I don't think so. But you know, there's some, like there's some maybe teams that I didn't seem to get on well with. But mm. I nearly, like, I nearly signed for Crystal Palace. Um, I met Dougie Friedman and he had all these stats about teams I was in and they had a high win percentage and he, you know, he was really selling it that he wanted me to come and join Palace. But ironically, I never enjoyed playing Palace. I either got sent off or lost <laughs> or things went badly against Palace. Um, so there's a few clubs like that maybe that it didn't go quite so well, um, so well with, but, uh, um, yeah, that's that's probably one of them, certainly. What's it like when you, you play against um, a team that you've played for before? And, and when yeah. you score, you score against them, do you celebrate? Don't you celebrate? I mean, uh, I think I, for Leicester, I scored against Watford. You know, mm. it's happened. It has happened. Um, I, 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 I'm not one of these that, like, rubs it, rubs anything in. I don't, I'm not really, you know, one of those sorts of uh, people. But I... I also not someone who wouldn't not celebrate. I can't recall. I'd probably just 
enjoy the the actual goal rather yeah. than rubbing uh, rubbing anyone's sort of face in it. Um, mm. I, I I think players, you know what? I think you know there's nothing wrong with celebrating, even if it is against your old goal. You can still be respectful, even if yeah. it is against your old club. You know. Yeah. Um, looking down the full length of the pitch to celebrate in front of the yeah, office. because <laughs> you you don't want to be a, a sicker fan as well, you know, yeah. because yeah. then it's not it's disingenuous if you uh, to me anyway. So I yeah. think there is a there is a balance there. Yeah, we, we were speaking before uh, we came live, and you hit on it again when you were talking about Holland and coming back to England. That um, you're used to playing in four four two, but when you're over in Holland, um, you were a lone striker. And we've got a manager at the moment, obviously in Brendan Rodgers, that seems to love the lone striker. I mean, there was a, there was a season, a couple of seasons ago, when he had to play four four two. Well, he had to play two up front, sorry, um, with Kalecci, Inacho, and Jamie Vardy. And Kalecci and Acho ended the season, you know, as top goal scorer, yeah. and yet. Next season, it's back to one up front again. It's got to be frustrating, like you said, when you when you're scoring so many goals and yet you're not getting into the side. Yeah, I mean, um, there was that. I mean, he scored as well. He scored with Dakar, didn't he? When mm. um, or he assisted Dakar. You know, in Europe, those two got on brilliantly. Yeah. Um, it is hard because I think he he likes to have for Brendan. You know, he 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 deviates, doesn't he, between. A one a one man holder or a two you know two holding midfielders or one. Mm-hmm. I think probably yeah. if it, if indeed he is fit and firing and playing every week, you can afford to have Wilf as just the single one. Mm-hmm. And then what do you do ahead of the ball? Well, he likes to have two attacking midfielders, doesn't he? He likes to have you know minimum uh, uh, if he only has one holder, two attacking mids, or if he has two holders, he'll have someone in the number ten position and. Probably yeah. Leicester with all their, you know, with Tielemans and, you know, when they had, you know, got Albrighton or Barnes or whatever, or, you know, yeah, they've got wingers, right? They've got wingers. So if you've got wingers, where does a second str- and you've got talent yeah. and you've got talented creativity in midfield and decent holding midfield players, where do you fit a second striker in? Yeah, that's yeah. His, that's probably and he he's probably worried about the protection in front of. What is not? I don't think Leicester's strength is the two centre halves, and and I think mm. had a lot of injuries. You've had a lot of changes of the pairings at the back. You know, yeah. there have been yeah. so many changes in that back four. Sometimes you want to go with a bit more protection in front of it, with two holding midfield players and being a bit more solid. And that means it's difficult to get a second striker in. So mm. it is tough. It is tough. And, and I know it's only a. Short career. I mean, I know twenty years, but you know, you, you you have to make the most of it while you're playing because you know you don't know when it's going to be over a bad injury or something takes you out. But how do you look? I don't mean I don't, I'm not asking you to sort of you know say anything controversial, but you know we've got Yuri Tillemans, a player here that could very easily sign a contract, put loads of clauses in it to say, yeah, if this club comes in for me or if this price is matched, I'll leave. But at least that way the club would get some money back on him. But at this rate, we're going to be losing nearly 40 million. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it is a worry, yeah? Because, yeah, you could say, right, when do you start as a club engaging those players into talks on a new deal? Mm. Because there is a tipping point where that, that, that tipping point will be where the player will go, well, 
you know what? I'm not going to start discussing a new deal because in 12 months' time, I'll have six months left and then I can I can go for free. I can talk yeah. to clubs and sign a pre-contract or whatever. So it comes down to, I think, now, this is separate, but obviously you see Chelsea with all these players and the eight-year contract spreading yeah. the cost for um, FFP. But whether length of contracts is something that, that – it's a fine line, right, because you give out an eight-year contract. How often is a manager at a club for how many years? And then what if you don't want that player? Is it gonna, that player going to end up with 100 loans like all the Chelsea players? And, yes. and, and, and you know, sort of when you – stretch out that contract and the, 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 the monetary value per year over the eight years, it helps the club balance the books, right? But of course. What, what, if it, what if they don't work out? What if you gamble on someone from abroad and it doesn't work out? Are, are you going to come to a, an agreement on six years' money? Yeah. Or are, yeah. It, it's a bit different than one year's money or two years' money or, you know. And, and so, so the, the kind of fairness, contracts... They're good for the player, but you know, once the player, if he doesn't want to be there, the contracts really aren't worth the money they're, they're written on. I mean, you know, you know, it even happened, you know, back back in the day. But you know, when you got to look at the Fafana situation, you know, virtually going on strike and you know, <laughs> refusing to play um, just to, so so he could get a leave. So you know, you sign again, you sign these players for eight years, but you don't know that they're going to be. No. Uh, you know, they're that long. No, you don't. And I guess, um, you know, there's there's some players that will have real ambition to maybe want to go and do something else. Or, mm. you know, with Yuri, maybe, you know, he, he's he's obviously maybe talking to, or his agent might be talking to clubs and, you know, have feelers out for for what that next move might, yeah. you know, might be. But that I think he'll be a big loss. I think, oh, he'll yeah. be, I think he'll be a really big... And then, obviously, you'll have James Madison who might be going, well... You know, come on, where's, where's, uh, now we're missing Yuri. How long is Jamie Vardy going to be yeah. around? And if Jamie's well, not around, you know, do the players it, see it and think, well, he did it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and obviously, Casper's gone. Mm. You know, now, you know, whether I heard Casper would have stayed if he'd have got similar money, but the club weren't willing to do the length of contract with a similar money. So maybe Yuri's thinking, well, you know, you're not going to be able to satisfy me here. You didn't satisfy Casper, so... Yeah, that's a fair I, point. Actually, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm just, you know, yeah. reading between the lines. And, and yeah. I'm, not on, I'm not on the inside, but, you know, I can imagine they're, they're the sort of conversations that, um, you know, that are, that are, are going on and, and have been had. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm going to let you go, but I've got one last question for you, because we, we touched on Jamie Vardy uh, a couple of times, and... I mean, obviously, the guy is an absolute hero. He had the chance to leave for whatever reasons he didn't. He stayed and we're so grateful that he did. Um, he's coming now. I think I think he's coming towards the end of his career, whether this is his last season or not, possibly. Um, but he, he, he can't... I mean, it's an amazing story, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I mean he is a, a, like a hero. I mean... What a career! Yeah, I love that he's he's a down to earth, normal guy. Uh, you know, he's he's like one of us. Just seems a regular guy. That's an amazing player. Um, that is that a super, you know incredible story. You want him to keep going. You what you want him to do is 
if he is going to play less, is that he still main he still he's still at the club, but he comes off mm. the bench or he's used. Yeah. Now, will he be happy with that? Well, I think I, I don't know, but I would say the older you get, you might want to play, but also as long as the manager shows that you've got worth to that team, it might be forty-five minutes, it might be thirty minutes, it might be ninety minutes in this game, or you know, mm. seventy minutes in that game. But there's no doubt that long-term successor is is something that is, you know, you, Leicester can't escape. They're going to have to. Uh, I, I, and obviously, Kelechi, I don't know if he's the, 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 you know, the the one or Patson or some, you know, someone else. I don't know who that, whoever that next one will be. It will be an expensive, I imagine, signing unless they can pull an absolute rabbit out the hat like they have done maybe, you know, a few years ago. We've got the young guy that we bought the, um, from the American club that we've yeah. been out to, to, to Leaven. The problem I, f- I feel we're going to have, it's like, you know, we've never replaced Mares, but we've got to accept we probably never will replace Mares because he was such a fantastic player. But every player that's come in, it's like, oh, he's not a lot, you know, he's not the next Mares, he's not as good as Mares. Well, he- yeah, they've been, so, I guess you've been spoiled a little bit. I mean, the other parallel would be, a club like, you know, how Leicester did business with, you know, all those players, you know, when they won the Premier League and and mm. and, and, and the, the recruitment was, was so good, picking up relative, you know, unknowns and, and turning them into superstars and selling them for vast money. It's kind of what, you know, Brighton or some others are doing at the minute. And, you know, it's, it's difficult to keep replicating that. It, it really is because... You know, everyone is looking in the similar places. You know, so to to find those jewels is is hard. Or you got to get them in early from the championship, like like they did with Madison. It might be yeah. expensive at the time, but you know, it's it's one of them that will work. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a it's a tough balance because I know probably Leicester fans feel they haven't signed as many players as maybe you would have wanted in this window compared to others. Maybe compared to others in and around you, look at Forest or whoever. Yeah. You know. Um, but the, 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 the starting squad from Leicester obviously is a lot stronger. So that's that's, mm-hmm. and if everyone's fit, then you know it's different. Yeah, and I think like you say, we, we have been spoiled. That is the problem, and I just hope because you see it with Daka all the time, like oh Vardy would have got that, and you're thinking like he's not Vardy, you know, and it, yeah. it maybe we're going to go through a couple of strikers before again that finally finally wears off, but. I mean, we've always had that, Leicester, that, you know, I can remember, I mean, I was at school with Gary Lineker, so I, I, that was my sort of era when I got into football. And, you know, we had to sell him to keep going. And yeah. maybe we're not in that position now, well, we're not in that position now, but we do get these these bargains, if you like, and sell them for, for lots of money, Mares, um, Maguire, uh, Chilwell, etc. Um, but again, that is the the financial setup of the club. Yeah, I mean, what, what you have now that, you know, obviously you've got all the facilities, right? So you're going to impress, you're going to blow away, like Harry Suter said. So Harry Suter might be your next Maguire. Yeah. Might be, right, because I think Harry Suter has done really, really well for Stoke. He's done excellently uh, for Australia. Yes. You know, he, he might be someone that you buy in and, and he, he kicks on his career. And that is a good signing from, you know, the championship that can bridge that gap and mm. you know there's nothing wrong with them you, you'll have to you'll have to you know there's those players and then you'll have to try and pluck some others from elsewhere yeah. and that's where John Rudkin and 
people like that, their job is so important now because, you know, there's your Brentfords, there's your Brightons that are, yeah. are you know, like, you know, could Brentford have signed Ivan Tony or some, you know, when, when Ivan went to Brentford, was he on Leicester's radar? You know, because you know they, they, these are the sort of the questions that because I've been in recruitment. These are the questions that will be you know be be asked. Why? How do we miss out on him? Or did he fit our profile? You know, mm. what is what is Leicester's profile? Right? Are they mm. a they're a counter attacking team? You know, they're paced. Always been a counter attacking team for the last five, six, seven seasons. I would say. You know, mm. so is it players in that model? You know, uh, counter-attacking team, plenty of pace. Um, you know, or are they going to develop a different sort of style? Yeah. We're, we're, you know, it's uh, but look, the likes of Harvey Barnes and people like you got still got great. I, I love the fact that you know so many clubs were so you, you know you sign sort of you know say a Pats and Daka or, or wherever we sign people. Another fans are like what we call the big the big club. You know the Arsenal say, oh we were looking at him, we shouldn't have bought him. But the fact of the matter is that they won't take the gamble. Yeah, and sometimes day. it is a gamble, right? I mean, mm. it, it, sometimes it is a gamble that that because it's one thing to buy these players, and as Brent, like Brendan Vasi experienced, but you've got to then be able to know that you can trust them to go and play. You know, week in, mm. week out, and 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 deliver for you. He knows the bulk of his team. I think can can you know can deliver, but maybe he's not sure on Patson as a lone striker or Kelechi as a lone as a lone striker. You know, so it's, yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, uh, thanks, Dan, big Burnley fan there, Turfmore House TV. Thanks for popping in. Uh, great podcast, great guest. Um, okay. I think we are both well. Uh, you were saying about recruiting there. Um, Nate was asking, after a long career, have you been involved in the game after retiring? Well, <laughs> the answer to that is yes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I, I, um, I you know, I, I retired. Well, I, I was player coach at, at Portsmouth. Then I retired and I went into coaching at. I was Millwall's youth team under 18 coach. Um, then I worked for Bristol City with Lee Johnson and would do opposition um, analysis, uh, next opponents, uh, recruitment, scouting. Mm. So, and, and then now predominantly um, uh, media, radio, and, and, yeah. and, and stuff. So, it's, um, so I, did, I did have that, uh, that, you know, I was in football and then. It's hard to do both because if you're getting a lot of media work, you can't, you yeah. know, you, you have to be at football games at the, at the same time. So something yeah. has to give. And, and then obviously if, if media work dries up, you think, oh, I should have stayed in football. You know, so it's, it is a, it, that, that, uh, it's elusive to find the right, to yeah. find the right thing. Yeah. And I'm going to leave with this question here, um, and thank you for your time. But this this last one, and it's, it's, a, it's a hard one, and it's going to put you on the spot, but we like these sort of questions. Um, who does he think will be relegated from the Premier League this season? Oh, my God. And if you, um, if you say Leicester, remember, I've got the mute button. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it, I, think, I, think, I think Southampton will. Mm. I think Bournemouth will. Um, and the last one, I, 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 you know, I, I think Sean Dyche is a really good manager. So I'd like to think he's going to have an impact on them and get them out. If I had to stick my neck out, oh, um, Wolves or Leeds, I'm going to say 
Leeds? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> He's the longer <laughs> jaw of it. I you know what's scary? At the start of the season, when I predicted where all the teams were going to finish, my bottom three were Leeds, Bournemouth and Southampton. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, Southampton, another former team, I'm a bit like, you yes. know, Leicester in, you know, had great, great recruitment as well, you know, and have tried, you know, and it's, yeah, sometimes it, it's difficult to keep replicating it, you know, and they've just brought in a new uh, director of football. Oh, ironically, Jason Wilcox, who, who we played with, who was at, who was at Leicester. Yes. Um, so let's see what, you know, how they, how they you know, their model is, you know, they, they, they've got in a lot of youngsters, signed players from Man City and, you know, uh, but as we know, it can be a gamble, right, to get, to get yeah. all those youngsters playing and firing. And I think that's what Brendan's wary of. Uh, you know, I can't just bring in untried because they're not going to be better than what I've got. So you, you've got to make sure those players coming in are, are the right. I think Harry Suter is is good. I think Harry mm. Suter will be a really good signing for you. I think so as well. Uh, I think Johnny Evans, bless him, again, is coming towards the end. Yeah. Um, uh, Soyuncu, don't know what's going on there, but he's just not in Roger's plans. Um, Amati, you know, is, is a... Um, uh, a Marmite sort of player with the fans. Some love him, some you know, some don't. So yeah, I think that that is a is a great signing. I, I do. I realise with with those three that I've chosen, I'm shooting myself in the foot because I just live outside, just outside Bournemouth. So Southampton oh. and Bournemouth are two games I can get to very easily, and yeah. I don't really want them to go down. But uh, no, but, it's. It, I mean, it's going to be a battle down there. Make no mistake. But oh yes, you know, and I wouldn't discount. I'm sort of up to Palace. I wouldn't discount up to yeah. them, you know, because you just you just don't know. But uh, I think I think it might be hard for the for the two South Coast teams. Yeah, no, definitely, David. Look, really do appreciate you giving up your time and doing this. Uh, it's great to have the ex players on, but I really always, I say, appreciate the time. Uh, no problem. Doing that. And, no problem. Uh, and thank you very much. And take care of yourself. And uh, you and your family, and uh, all the best for the future. Cheers. No worries, Chris. Thanks, guys. Thanks, David. All the best, mate. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thanks to David for coming on. I really do appreciate it when ex players come on. Um, the, 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 and especially, like I say, because he is, um, he is talking um, on the radio a lot as well. So the fact that they give up their time is really, really, really generous. Um, well, his question is this. Coming up next on Leicester Till I Die TV. If you like these in conversations with, then um, don't miss Monday at nine. Now, normally Monday at nine, we do the review show when we look back at the weekend's games. This Monday at nine, and no disrespect to any other player, but this... I get nervous before I do these. I don't know if I come across as nervous, but I'm absolutely shitting myself when I talk to ex-players. But this guy, I mean, for me personally, and I've spoken to, you know, the Steve Walshes, the Elliots, the Taggarts, the Connollys, this guy I am really so looking forward to chatting with. Uh, if only to ask him if he's still got Janino in his pocket. And that is Pontus Camark. I mean, what what a player. What a player when he was with us, and uh, he does media work now. I have to, uh, I'm gonna have to, um, uh, <laughs> it's 
speed up on my Swedish, aren't I? But no, what a great, what a great player, and I'm really, really looking forward to that. That's Monday at nine. But we are going to be back tomorrow at five. We're going to have a be looking at Brendan's press conference for the Villa game, the first uh, obviously conference after the window. So we're talking new players, I am sure. And then nine o'clock, we've got a Villa fan coming on. Nine o'clock tomorrow, we are going to be doing the review show. And there might be a stat show in there as well. I don't know if I can fit it in or not. So, yeah, five o'clock, me and Brad doing the old um, uh, manager's press conference review. And nine o'clock is going to be um, chatting with a Villa fan. And we will be talking about the game. I can say big, big thanks to, to, to David. Uh, really appreciate him coming on. Um, told, thank you very much, told you. Um, I appreciate that. Um, always cold. It is. It is always great to and and you know what I love because these are players that I grew up watching. Like I say, you know, I I was very much the Gary Lineker era. I was I was at school with him at the same age, and so these are the players that I used to stand on the terraces and watch. I know I've watched this guy score hat tricks. And, I, oh, and I'm thinking, you know, I look back and I'm thinking, like, you were only with us for one season. Why? You know, and you can find these. Th oh, I'm getting all starstruck now, guys. But it's always, it's, and I can't believe, like I say, these guys that I sat there and watched and idolized, I'm actually talking to. So it's a great honor and one I never take for granted. Like I say, always, always do appreciate the fact that they give up their time. Um, I don't think it was going to happen. I think it had pretty much happened sort of lunchtime-ish yesterday. I think it had all kind of um, wasn't going to happen. Uh, I think, you know, maybe we will, you know, try to get it through because, of course, all Brighton's gone. Uh, I would have loved him. Would have loved him. But I'm not going to dis... I say, I hate it when you start going, oh, we should have come to Leicester. And, because we, I hate that when uh, other teams say, you know, oh, should have come to Newcastle, should have come to Arsenal, Man United. So good luck to him. Whether we go back in the summer or not, because he's obviously talking a contract with uh, Leeds. Like we said, that doesn't necessarily mean a thing. But, you know, um, I think, you know, they're, they're fighting. They're in the relegation battle along with us. You know, do they want to sell a, a player to... Um, I don't know whether he was, Nate. Was he? Was he in the... Uh, having a medical... Because, of course, the other one is that I heard that they actually were saying no, no, no. And then they kind of softened their approach and said, well, yeah, let's, let's have a look at it. Um, look, let's not be greedy. We've got three players in. It's a hell of a lot better, better window than the summer one was for us. So <laughs> let's enjoy it for what it was. And let's see what Brendan's got to say tomorrow at five o'clock. Look, if you've been watching, thank you very much indeed. Please subscribe to the channel if you're new. Whether you're new or not, please smash those likes buttons. It really, really does help the channel. And if you have been listening on, uh, on your favourite podcast platform, thank you for lending me your ears. You may have them back now. <laughs> I've, I've, I've cleaned them out. You can have them back. I <laughs> will see you tomorrow at five. Take care, guys. Remember, whatever you do, don't do anything I wouldn't enjoy. Good night. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. That's all, folks. Thanks for watching Lester Till I Die. This is Chris saying goodbye and see you next time.
watching these videos are tremendous you better like them too or i'll be back lester till i die tv they think it's all the talksport fan network is proudly teaming up with free for mental health awareness week this year we understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing but rest assured you're not alone there's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges honesty is key in any relationship if your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them, honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? A participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.